0: In Acts 4, verse 12, we read, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And in the chapter we read 8 to 10 we read for by grace i is saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god and not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. These and many other passages of holy writ are the basis of the instruction in our catechism and Lord's Day Eleven. Why is the Son of God called Jesus that a savior because he saveth us and delivereth us from our sins and likewise because we ought not to seek neither can find salvation in any other Do such, then, believe in Jesus, the only Savior, who seek their salvation and welfare of saints, of themselves, or anywhere else? They do not. For though they boast of him in words, yet in deeds they deny Jesus. the only Deliverer and Savior. For one of these two things must be true, that either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or that they who by a true faith receive this Savior must find all things in him necessary for their salvation. This, beloved, is the discussion and brief explanation of the second article of our so-called Apostolic Confession, the first article being, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in this particular Lord's Day, we have the discussion, the interpretation, and the application of the name Jesus. The Catechism discusses the names of the Saviour both because they are mentioned in the Apostolic Confession and because the names according to the Bible are not mere sounds uh, but have meaning, have significance. And so it is with the name Jesus. I do not have to explain that name to you, as such. Jesus is the same as Joshua, and Joshua is J Joshua, and J Hashua is Jehovah salvation, or Jehovah saves. That is why it is so beautiful that the Catechism begins this interpretation of the name Jesus by asking the question, why is the Son of God called Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. He is himself, Jehovah, the God of the covenant, the God of our salvation. He is that, essentially and personally. And therefore the question is, why is that Son of God now called Jesus? Jehovah saves. And of course, in brief, the answer is because in Jesus God reveals himself and in him only as the God of our salvation. Nowhere else. God is revealed in all his works. He is revealed in creation. He is revealed in the works of so-called providence. He is revealed every day and everywhere. But nowhere is he revealed... As the God of our salvation. And that is in the name Jesus. Now, we wish to emphasize, beloved, in this morning, that the idea that is expressed in the second question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism, in connection, of course, with the first. Uh, but we wish to emphasize this, that Jesus is a complete Savior, that he saves us completely, and that he only saves us. And we wish to do so uh, not so much in distinction from the uh, things that are mentioned in this answer, uh, such as saints and angels and other creatures as being saviors or part saviors, uh, but we wish to do so, beloved. Especially in distinction from uh, many uh, that in our day, and in fact always, uh, claim uh, that Jesus is a Savior, all right, uh, but uh, that he can only save us if we want it. And if we seek it, and if we ask for it, not other it is in distinction from uh, that a uh, modern error. Uh, that therefore I wish to speak to you a few moments on uh, Jesus, a complete Savior. And therefore I will follow uh, the following order uh, that Jesus is a Savior for us in our behalf. Uh, Secondly, uh, that Jesus is a Savior in us, in our hearts and minds, in our very being. And thirdly, uh, that Jesus is a Savior through us, so that also whatever works, we may perform after we have been joined by faith to Jesus, uh, principally his works which he performs through us. So, Jesus, a complete Savior. Jesus for us. Jesus in us. Jesus, through us. We all know, of course, already from our catechism, when we are still small children, uh, what is the common definition of salvation. Salvation, so we learned, uh, when we sat on the seats of the kindergarten in school or of the seats of the kindergarten and catechism class. Salvation is the deliverance from the greatest evil and the being made partakers of the highest good. So I learned it, and so you probably also learned it. That's not so bad. The definition is, in general, quite sound, beloved, and quite correct. The greatest evil is, of course, separation from God, and therefore sin. Sin is separation from God, and sin, therefore, is undoubtedly the greatest evil. It is not so much that we have to suffer, even that we have to suffer hell as suffering, Even that we have to suffer death as death, that we have to die. That is the greatest evil. Beloved, those evils are all the result of the greatest evil. Let's understand that. They are the result, not the thing itself. Uh, That we die, uh, that we suffer, that we are in misery, uh, that we go to hell, is not itself the greatest evil, but is the fruit, the result of the greatest evil, and that greatest evil is separation from God. That is the greatest evil. That's the principle. Let's remember that. And therefore, beloved, uh, just as uh, salvation is the deliverance uh, from the greatest evil, which includes all evils, uh, so it is the being made partakers of the highest good. And let me say, we may add, of the highest good in the highest possible sense of the word. That's selfish. And, at that highest good, beloved, is fellowship with God. That's the highest good. Just as the greatest evil is separation from God. Separation in the spiritual, ethical sense of the word, otherwise we cannot be separated. God is always near. God is near even in hell. But in the spiritual, ethical sense of the word, misery, all our misery is rooted in the separation from God. So, salvation is, in the positive sense of the word, the being made partakers of the most intimate fellowship with God. Communion. Knowledge. Knowledge. Righteousness. Love. Consecration to God. Dwelling in his house. Hearing him say, Uh, Thou art my son, Uh, thou art my daughter. That's salvation. And, beloved, I say uh, that uh, that communion, that fellowship, uh, that highest good is uh, to be taken in Uh, the absolute and the highest sense of the word. Adam also had fellowship with God in paradise, uh, but uh, the highest good, which is implied as salvation, is not like that. Uh, The fellowship with God, which is the fruit of salvation in Jesus Christ, is much higher, much more intimate so that we shall know God as we are known. We shall see him face to face. We shall love him as we are loved. That, beloved, is the highest good. Now, must remember... When we speak of salvation, of salvation from separation from God, which is principally sin, uh, we must be saved from that separation and uh, from that separation due to sin. In a twofold sense, sin is first of all guilt, and guilt is liability to punishment, and from guilt from the guilt of sin we must be redeemed that first jesus a savior jesus is complete savior because he is a complete Redeemer, beloved, Redeemer. He paid the price that must be paid if we are to be delivered from the present And from the power of sin and death. What the law could not do. That is, pay that price. What the law could not do. Through the flesh. God did. He paid the price. God did. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin redeemed us. Pay the price, beloved. Remember that. We are by nature, as I say, in separation from God. We are by nature in separation from God in prison, locked up, we cannot get out. We are, by nature, in separation from God, in prison, legally. We're not like prisoners of war. Uh, We are in prison, in the prison of sin and death, legally. That is, according to God's own law. He that sins shall die. That's the law. Can never be changed. And therefore, we are dead in darkness, under the wrath of God, in the prison of sin, in the prison of separation from God. Legally, we belong there. We must be there. And, in a way, we can say uh, that uh, the devil has power over us, beloved, by nature. In a way, we can say that uh, God gave the devil the keys. Gave the devil the keys to that prison of sin and death. And Christ came. He came to that prison. He came in that prison. In in the prison. Not to that prison. He came in the prison. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, beloved. He took our flesh upon himself. He became Jesus, God, God became Jesus. God took upon him the likeness of sinful flesh. And in that likeness of sinful flesh, God entered into that prison. And he said to the devil, Give me the keys. Give me the keys. I have some people here that thought, I want to get out. They're mine. Give me the keys. The devil said, I won't. I won't. It belong to me. You uh, can't get the keys, Jesus, because God gave them to me. They're mine. And Jesus said to the devil, I want the keys and I'll pay the price for the keys. I want to redeem, redeem my people. I don't want to Deliver them from this prison of death by main force. I want to redeem them. I want to purchase them free. And the devil said to Jesus, all right, give me the price. And Jesus said to the devil, I don't pay you. I am Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. I pay my God the price, and then you get out. Give me the key. That's what happened. That's just exactly what happened. Christ came. to get the keys which the devil had in his power but he didn't get the keys from the devil, he got the keys from God, beloved he paid, he paid he paid the price he paid the complete price don't forget that he paid the complete price the complete price for our redemption. And that complete price was there. Death. Suffering of death. In all his being, in all his soul and body, suffering of death, in the consciousness that that death is the expression of the wrath of God that belongs to it and in the consciousness of the love of God even in hell that's the price of redemption. That's the price. Christ paid that price, beloved, for his people. He paid that price. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came as he was ordained by God and he was ordained by God, as the representative head of his people, he stood he stood for them, he stood at the head of them, he might represent them, and he did, and standing before God, as the representative of those whom the Father had given him. Of the elect he went into the depth of death, beloved, voluntarily, willingly, from the love of God, and descending into the depths of death and hell. He there put his blood, the blood of love, on the altar of God's love and redeemed his people. And that he redeemed them, God gave testimony in the resurrection, beloved. God raised him from the dead. And he raised him from the dead only because he had obtained perfect righteousness not only for himself but for all he represented in his death for you and for me, completely, beloved, completely. Don't you see? Jesus, for us, is a complete Savior. He can never be anything else. Don't you see, beloved? that it is all accomplished. It's done. It's done more than nineteen hundred years ago. And Gol- Golgotha it's done. It's finished. What is finished? Redemption is finished. Redemption for home. For his people. That's finished. Who are his people? Those that believe in him. Beloved. Those that believe. You believe in Christ? You believe? And then look at the cross. Why is that salvation so complete, beloved? Because those that, that, that believe are the same as those whom the Father hath given him; otherwise, it isn't true. Jesus did not redeem all—not even in at his intention—and not according to the Scripture. He redeemed. He couldn't. He couldn't anyway. If he redeemed all, then all were saved, no matter what became of them. If Christ redeemed all on the cross, then all are saved, no matter whether they believe or not. Redemption is not a question of faith. Redemption is not dependent on faith. Redemption was made once for all. For all time. And if Jesus redeemed all men on the cross, then all men are saved without any question. But that's not the case. Jesus redeemed his own beloved. His name is Jesus, according to the Scriptures, because he shall save his people from their sins. And therefore, Jesus is a complete Savior, a complete Redeemer. He bought you and me. As we hear this word of God, And as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, He bought you and me free from the dark prison of sin and death and gave us through His death the right to what? The right to be back to the state of paradise or no? The right because of His infinitely precious death, beloved, the right to eternal life. That's something else. Well, that's Jesus for us. But that's not all. Some say, oh, I believe all that. I believe all that. Sure, I believe that Jesus redeemed us. I believe that he purchased us free. I believe that we can't do anything to that, can't add anything to it, can't detract anything from it. That's all finished, I believe that, sure. But, And there is the but that principally always comes up again and that distinguishes us, beloved. I dare say that distinguishes us as Protestant Reformed churches from everyone else. Consistently, at least. That's the but. The but is this. But, although Jesus is a complete Savior for us, if, notice the condition. If if we would uh, be benefited uh, by that redemption, we must believe. Well... if you don't say anything else we could agree with him yet only we would not say we must believe we say we do believe not much then you uh, go further. And you say, yes, we believe, uh, but that is the fruit of Christ in us. Christ first comes in us, And then we believe, not first, not otherwise. Well, they say, yes, yes. They don't mean that anymore. They really mean to say, beloved, oh, no. Christ comes in you when you believe. That's what they really mean, not first. But we say, no, Christ comes in us first, and then we believe. But they say, oh, oh, that's all right, that's all right. uh, We can agree with that yet. Uh, But, but, there's another but. But, if Christ has to come in us, we must ask him, at least. We must ask him. We must seek him. We must knock. We must ask, And then, grace will come. When we ask him to come in, he comes in. When we seek him to come in, we find him. That's the Bible they say. When we knock, then he opens the door to us and we enter into glory. Beloved, that's the trouble. If that were true, then salvation would forever be absolutely impossible. Don't you see? We do not ask Jesus to come in our hearts. Before he has already come in, he comes in first, and then we ask him to come in. Oh, yes, we do. But he comes in first. We do not seek him, beloved. seek Him of ourselves before He makes us seek Him. Oh yes, when He causes us to seek Him, then we seek and then we surely find. There's no question about it. Seek and ye shall find because the seeking is of Him. Don't forget that. Knock, and it shall be opened. Oh, that is true, beloved. If we do not knock, it shall never be opened unto us. That's true. But that we knock is not of ourselves. That we knock is because the Lord has first come into our hearts and caused us to knock. That's why it's so absolutely sure. Knock and it shall be opener to you. That's the comfort of the gospel, don't you see? That's the comfort. That's the way it is. And therefore, Jesus, a complete Savior, beloved. Complete in every respect. Complete for us. Complete in us. Bleat, because he comes in our hearts. When we do not even know it, when we have no idea yet that he ever comes into our hearts, and he gives us the power of a new life, He comes, beloved, in our hearts through the word of the gospel. He does. Don't you see? He does this morning. Otherwise, I may just as well quit if he doesn't. I may just as well quit. I may stop right here if he doesn't. But I know he does. I know he does. He says to you, beloved, ask, not I, he, ask, and it shall be given you. He says that in your heart. He says says that with his own powerful word. That's why you ask. He says to you, seek, seek, seek. He says that to you this morning. He says that now, through the preaching of my word, I mean through the preaching of God's word by me. Seek. And when he says that, you seek. Not otherwise, but you seek. He says, knock, knock, knock. He said that now to do to you and you knock and you find that it is opened unto you, beloved. That's the gospel. All of Christ and none of us, all of Jesus, the revelation of the God of our salvation, none of ourselves, Jesus, Savior, complete Savior, for us and in us. That's the gospel. Beautiful. The only gospel there is, beloved, nothing like the gospel of Billy Sunday or or Billy Graham, no, no, we do think so. This, this is the gospel, according to the word of God, and nothing else is the gospel. Nothing else. Of that, I'm confident. And just as Jesus is the complete Savior for us, redeeming us. And he is the complete Savior in us, delivering us. So he is also the complete Savior through us. You know, the baptism form is so beautiful below. In the first part, of the doctrinal part of the baptism form, we have God's part. Remember? God makes an eternal covenant of grace with us. The Father makes an eternal covenant of grace with us and adopts us for his children and heirs and provides us with every good thing and averts all evil and turns it to our profit. The Son redeems us satisfies in this blood for all our sins, makes us righteous before God, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, regenerating us, renewing us, and sanctifying us to the very end. That's all God's part of the salvation. In the Baptist form, all God's part. And then comes our part. Yes, our party, not our party. And, beloved, there are people who also do not understand this. And they say, yes, I believe that Jesus is complete Savior for us. I believe that is a complete Savior within us. But now, when it's finished, now comes our part. And then they say, uh, but we must do this that we walk in a new and holy life and bear fruits of thankfulness. That's for us. Well, beloved, uh, those that say so are still Armenian, Still do not understand the truth. Because the truth is this, that Jesus also bears the fruit and that we are privileged to be instrumental in showing forth the fruits of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's our privilege. That's the truth. Jesus for us. Jesus in us. And Jesus through us. Christ is divine. And the vine bears fruit. We are the branches, and we bear the fruit, beloved. Christ is the head, and we are the members of his body. And it is our privilege that we may bear the fruits of Christ, the head, in our good works, so that. It is not so that God becomes beholden to us because we do good works, but we are beholden to God because we have the privilege of doing good works and walking in a new and holy life. It's all of God and none of us. That's salvation. Beloved, that's salvation. Christ for us, in us and through us all of Christ as the revelation of the God of our salvation believe believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved beloved Amen Thanks O Lord for the privilege of proclaiming and of hearing the gospel. Sanctified unto us and bless us for thy name's sake. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.